0: Bagel Buds episode 17
1: with Jason, and we have a special guest today, Chris Weiler. Really excited about this one. Yeah, Chris, uh, I mean, I think we go back about two years now, which is longer than I would have (laughs) thought. Is yeah, it more than that? I think, I it's... think it might have been. It really? Have been. Yeah. yeah. Big boy dinner. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Where uh, where very, uh, distinguished men uh, act as children. <laughs> yes, that's true. That's so, true. So, so Chris
0: now is a head of John Merrill Investments Inc. Right? That's your Correct. name. That's right. One of the companies. Yes. One of his companies, and he's a real estate guru. Can we call you a guru? Uh, probably not. Cause no,
1: yeah. Nah. How would you self-title yourself?
2: Uh, billionaire philanthropist. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's my goal. That's yeah. my goal. That's not my goal. Uh, just um, self-made um, entre- uh, serial entrepreneur. Very cool.
1: Yeah, you, you definitely you you get your hands into a lot of things, but one of the uh, key topics, or at least one of our inspirations or reasons for having you on here is uh, this concept of fire that we hear out there, and then uh, actually knowing somebody that has achieved it in the practical sense, mm-hmm. um, but then beyond the practical sense of just having passive income covering all your expenditures, there's also the mindset that comes with that. There's the how did you build it? There's the uh, why did you pursue it? And uh, what would you tell other people? So uh, mm-hmm. we'll dive all the way into that and kind of rewind it back to the beginning. And Trevor has a couple uh, yeah. questions to get us started. So first off, the acronym FIRE,
0: I Financially Independent Retire Early. That's uh, in right. And... Uh, Chris is a self-proclaimed the godfather of this fire movement. Uh, no, no, <laughs> no. That's not fucking That's he takes. <laughs> that's what, you <laughs>
2: that's what you, No, for, for me, it was, um, you know, I heard about fire. Uh, and it, I, it just had this realization in my head, oh, my God. I, I've been studying that and just, you know, doing that for much longer than that term has been in existence. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you make a really good point about a lot of it is just having a specific mindset or training yourself to have a specific mindset um, you've got to be careful though I mean there are a number of people who are doing that because they hate their job and they just don't want to work anymore but um, you know we, we were kind of discussing you know before we were taping that retirement doesn't necessarily have to mean not working at all uh, a lot of time it's about finding what you're passionate about and Maybe it motivates you to continue on your 50, 60, 40-hour work week, knowing that in the future that maybe you could develop a side hustle and uh, change that to a maybe 10-hour work
1: week. Um, You mentioned people who uh, are possibly trying to get there to avoid work. Uh, Do you think that's that attitude is even possible because the amount of effort it takes to get to that place of financially independent, uh, can you even get there with that attitude where you're trying to get away from work? I feel like you have to get towards work in order to get to that last stage. I feel like like, most of the fire guys are probably predominantly
0: trying to get away from work completely. In my mind, the ones that I've... Yeah, yeah want but this, passive, it doesn't so.
2: necessarily mean that they absolutely hate what they're doing now. That's or if it is, that's a motivation to do so. But um, th- there are a few things that I can think of that make it easier to follow or, or start developing through that fire. And, and I say easy, but make more money. Mm-hmm. You know, the more money you make, the closer you can get to that. Um, but probably more important than anything else is living below your means, Mm-hmm. And, and this is something that, you know, hey, we all live in Orange County here, and that's, that's, that can be a really hard thing to do.
1: It's a top 5% market in terms of standard of
2: living. Yeah. Plus, you look standard.
1: around, I mean, in this kind of society, you compare and contrast, and oh, I want to have
0: that, and, you know, com- you know keep keeping up with the Joneses. is a real yeah. thing, man.
2: Absolutely. Have you heard the term um, "lifestyle inflation"? Yeah. I mean, the more, yeah, the more more money you make, the the, the
0: more you want
2: to, you know, get a bigger house,
1: the cars get nicer, the tires get nicer, right? Right. Well, bottles of wine.
2: To be really, truly financially independent or follow the fire movement, you have to be able to be disciplined enough not to let that affect you. Mm -hmm. And and even now, I, I am, I am financially independent. I could stop working completely. Mm-hmm. And, and I would be fine for the rest of my life right. with the same lifestyle nice you have right now. Absolutely, absolutely. But here's the thing: um, I have many friends that they have a much bigger house than me. Mm-hmm. They've got you know two or more kids, and they're all in private school. That's right. Both spouses work. Mm-hmm. Most likely, most of my friends either attorneys or, or physicians, so they're billable hours. You want to make more money? You got to bill yeah, more sure hours. More, yeah. Hours and hours and hours. Yeah. Now they enjoy. Some of these things that I choose not to, Mm -hmm. but you know they're working themselves to the bone, and they are not financially independent. If they quit, you know tomorrow, they might have two or three months. And we're we're talking about really, you know, people with huge salaries. Yeah,
1: high income earners. High income earners, Mm -hmm. but
2: you know they've they've had that wage and I mean they've had that lifestyle inflation. They've gotten used to a certain lifestyle and they just don't have enough savings, or even if they do, I mean, maybe
1: five years tops. Yeah, but if your monthly expenditures are 30,000 a month between private school, your yacht, your... Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm.
2: So you've got to be able to be disciplined enough to avoid those lifestyle inflation traps. And it doesn't mean that you want to, you know, if you have a passion you love to travel, you know, budget travel in there. If you like to have a nice meal once in a while, I'm not saying, you know, that you can't do those things, but just be cognizant and aware that lifestyle of inflation is there, and a lot
0: those things don't
2: make you more happy in life. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. They distract you, though. Yeah. <laughs> They're good distractions. They do. <laughs> they pass the time pretty yeah. fast. They do. They do. So, Chris, I got, a, I got a question. Before we, I want to dive into your story and kind of, you know, the, the beginning, but I just am curious, how many hours would you say that you actually work per week? How many do you dedicate towards generating income for you?
2: You know, that's a great question. I mean, I I worked full time in the pharmaceutical and biotech industry for a little over 10 years. And I could tell you exactly, you know, I mean, I, I worked definitely 40 plus hours a week. Uh, it's hard for me to tell you how many hours I actually worked. One, because every week is different. One week I might work a lot more hours than another. And more importantly, I, I, it just doesn't feel like work to me because I enjoy what I'm doing. I, I mean, yeah, there are, there are times when I've got paperwork that has to get done and it's not my favorite. But I'm sitting at home, you know, I'm a few steps away from grabbing a drink downstairs. I've got no boss breathing over my shoulder. Right. I've got an, an amazing, you know, view and I've got the pool if I want to jump in there anytime and i got a dog by my side. So, it just doesn't feel like work.
1: But, it's but, pretty far from the corporate America and the high rise with uh, exactly. yeah, your, your punch in and punch out. Exactly.
2: But but to answer your question more directly, I would say where I feel like I'm actually working, uh, 10 hours a week, maybe. Mm-hmm.
1: And we haven't really discussed the mechanism by which you did that, which sure. uh, my understanding, and you can give a little bit more light on this, is you you started investing out of state, out of, out of the state of California. uh and Was it primarily uh, equity, where you were acquiring properties? Was it primarily debt and lending? What What were you doing to kind of build your bankroll, and, or so to speak?
2: Okay. Hmm. Well, I, I think you have to go back farther than that. Let's and, rewind and
0: even the furthest, because my yeah, yeah. my curiosity is: you're born here in Orange County. Born uh, in Orange County? Actually, I was born in LA. Born in LA. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you got siblings. I do. I do. I have a, a sister and a brother. Uh, okay. Younger sister, older brother. Okay. So you're the middle child. Yep. Alright, what kind of uh, home environment, happy happy life, you know, good marriage, parents, all that kind of stuff? Uh, you... Growing up or now? Growing up. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, oh, definitely growing up. Um, I had an older father and, um, you know, he actually retired before I was even aware, he, I, he, you know, he, I was born, he was I think in his mid-40s, I think he was 45, so by the time I was even aware he was, you know, retired. And my mom, you know, she stopped working well before I was born, so I had I had two full time parents.
0: Wow, that's just yeah. awesome. Yeah. So that sounds awesome. I mean, so were they part of the? I'm sure the mentors that guided you, that kind of you learned from their experience and said, "Hey, I mean, this is something." Absolutely, I- absolutely, in completely the opposite way you would think. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
2: well, my mom had always worried that without my dad or her well, her working, that what kind of example are we said for the kids? What what kind of motivation are they going to have? Right. And um, I, I learned that work is is more than just making a paycheck um, through my dad. I, I learned that it's a way to keep the mind busy. And because he had retired so early and he didn't have a lot of habits, or excuse me, hobbies, uh, he suffered from depression. I mean, it was not... Uh, and I didn't see that as much. I noticed that more as an adult now. You know, as a kid, your parents are perfect. You know, yeah, they give right. you attention; they're nice to you. That's You, right, you don't yeah. notice a lot of some of the negative things out there. But um, so I, I learned from him that keeping the mind busy is important.
1: Um, you're an avid reader. I know that. Yeah,
2: oh, yeah, yeah. I absolutely love to read, and, and and that's the thing too. Is that I mean, do you consider that work? I, I spend a lot of time online with you know, reading and research. Uh, but that's enjoyment reading to me. I, mm-hmm. I, I, actually, I love finance. I love real estate. Um, so, you know, you ask me how many hours a week. I mean, I probably read 20, 30, 40 hours a week wow. of which more than half of that is, is for quote unquote work, <laughs> but I don't consider that work. I'd be doing that even if I, you know, was doing
0: something else. So well, sidebar, what's the other 50% then that's, uh, what's your leisure reading? Uh,
2: kind of you know, called. maybe some fiction or, uh. Politics, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Or a little bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have read some uh, interesting yeah, right. political books too. Yeah. So,
0: grew, so grew up in a great household. You got mm-hmm. father as an example. So get, let's fast forward now mm-hmm. into kind of like the high school years or teenage years you know, what's that life like? Do you get like your first job at like a pizza, pl- like what's, how, what teaches you the kind of work ethic that you, you, know, you obviously have and you've developed? And-
1: yeah,
2: what a great question.
0: And, and it, it's a small sense of pride in me is that, you
2: know, growing up in, and as a teenager, I had my friends that would pick jobs and it'd just be what they could get. Most would be like waiters or something like that. And I was very intent on, if I'm gonna do this, I wanna do something I'm gonna enjoy. And one of the first jobs I had was a bicycle messenger. And I was an high school writer at the time. So, you know, being a teenager and, you know, running around with a walkie-talkie and a pager (laughs) and just bicycling from one law firm to another or entertainment firm to another. Um, In L.A. In L.A. And and I'm getting, yeah, I'm (laughs) getting paid better than my friends who are, you know, waiting, uh, so it, it was just something I completely enjoyed doing in the summer, so. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and did you go out on your own to get that stuff, or was that mom and dad saying, all right, Chris, you know, this is about oh, the no, age no, no, where no. you get some responsibility? Uh,
2: no, I, my parents didn't make me do that. Uh, I just I just wanted to have some spare cash. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: All right, so now let's go into, like, the college years and even post-college years. You get into biotech, and mm-hmm. that was a passion? That was something you studied in school, or...?
2: Um. No, no. I mean, I, I did study business in school.
0: Um, you just looked up highest paying jobs. At the <laughs> <laughs> no, you know,
2: have liked to. Yeah, no, I, I knew I wanted to get into B school. Um, at the time, I still kind of wanted to be local, and you know, UC Riverside had a had a very you know decent you know business school, and you know, I ended up going there, and uh, I actually graduated in four years, which. Pretty much none of my friends did, <laughs> but uh, had had a great time with that. But uh, I I graduated in a time where the economy was horrible, so I actually had a hard time finding a job, and uh, I ended up in just really hardcore like door, business, you know, door to door sales uh, for um, God, what was that like, a long distance phone and like eight hundred numbers and. And shell that for about, and I did that for about six months, and I hated every minute of it. Yeah. I did. Uh, so th- that really spurred me to, I, you know, I, I wanted from the beginning to get in the farm industry. But back when I was trying to get into it, they would only hire people with PhDs, and it was it was a hard job to get. I mean, nobody was in there young 20s, you know, going straight into pharma, but I was very determined to get into it. Sure. And one of the things, I mean, I went, if I, if I could even get an interview, I was always told, well, what, what kind of sales experience do you have? So I'm like,
1: all right, I'm going to have to try to get some sales experience <laughs> yeah. So that's when you give and, them the, I'm in this room. I made it here. Yeah. yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. Yes. You're yeah, not yeah. very determined,
2: <laughs> but you still don't have the sales experience. So, uh, you know, I, um, I, I got some hard-nosed sales experience. I hated every minute of it, but it was actually it was good money at the time. Um, but within six months, um, I finally got my my first Pharma job, mm-hmm. and I, I still remember walking into my first meeting. I was by far the youngest person in the company, and I walked in my first meeting, and this this guy, and you know he was probably in his 40s and balding, and he looks at me and he says would we just get you out of high school? Yeah. I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna something <laughs> I don't you know. I
0: don't know. man. It's good motivation. Yeah, man. yeah. Not a compliment at the
2: time. It's tough when you're the youngest person, you know, to you really feel like you've got to prove yourself. But, uh, no, that, that was great. That was a really small pharma company and uh, did everything I could at that company. But, um, they uh, had their main product started going south. So, uh, I felt it was time to jump ship. And, um, they actually they, they let me go, and uh, then they and then they hired me back on. It was really weird, <laughs> uh, and I just at that point I'm like, it's, it's just not worth it. So I ended up working for uh, the Wells Boys, the Van yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I ended up going to Johnson & Johnson, um, and I worked for them for a number of years, which was really funny. Actually, I left the company and uh, went to a smaller firm, got a great increase in pay, and then that firm got bought out by J&J. So I got like, you know, they, they were like one of the companies with a pension, so I got like my pension back, I got, you know, wow. I had an increase in pay, so I'm like, this is Goldman. And then with J&J, they, uh, at the time, which I don't know anybody does this anymore, but uh, they also paid 100% for an MBA for me. Oh yeah, fantastic. So, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's really when I started you know, my mindset kind of changed. It's, you know, I, I had always wanted to start my own company, never really knew what shape or form that would be. And, and quite frankly, I really enjoyed working in pharma and biotech. I had I made, I made good money, I had a bit of independence, but, you know, occasionally you get a boss that you didn't quite click with, and my mentality was, all right, I, I'm just gonna try to hold in there and, you know, hopefully they get promoted and move yeah, on hopefully on you or go something first. like that. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, yeah, and, and those are such flat organizations. It's like if you're if you want to move up, you got to move out of state. And mm-hmm. I have no interest in moving out of California. So, uh, like I said, B school gave me that mentality of you know where, you know, what kind of company would it be? And and that's when the market just crashed, uh, real estate market. And I'm like, so Um Yeah, that was so seven oh eight and. Um, uh, I, let me see if that was kind of, that was right after my MBA and it was about 2010 when I just, well, before then I was kind of doing it as a side hustle a little bit with the real estate. So
0: while you were doing pharma companies, J&J, you yeah. were also investing and you're taking your, your money and you were, so yeah. you already had this mindset of, Hey, I need to save some cash, use it for investments in, in real estate and, and kind of buy properties. Or when did you kind
2: No, of- no. I mean, I, I had that mentality. <sighs> Well before then, man, I mean, it's, uh, I I think there, I mean, what's a joke? There's two kinds of people in this world, those who think there's two kinds of people and those who don't, but but, no, but but there are two kinds. I mean, there are some people who really enjoy spending money. They have it, they like to spend it, it it shows that they have it. And there's some people that just kind of cringe a little bit on spending it and, and like to save it and like watching it grow. And I'm kind of one of those people, I like watching it grow. And, and even back then, even before real estate was, uh, you know, in my mind, I was, you know, investing and uh, into stocks, and I was learning more about the stock market. And, um, I would, you know, if my company offered, you know, all the companies I worked for offered 401 k's, so I'd throw money in those 401 k's, you know, utilizing that company match, and just watching that nest egg grow and grow. Mm-hmm. And you know, I bought my, you know, when I got uh, right before I got married, um, you know, I bought my first house. And, um, you know, I put the down payment on that and, uh, I'm going to date myself here, but I mean, I bought it in Irvine in Northwood thinking I was completely getting ripped off Mm -hmm. paying $247,000 for a, uh, you got a square crowd. foot. Yeah, a no, 1,400 <laughs> square
1: foot house in in Northwood, which is now nine hundred thousand. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So
0: what year is that? Because that's that's one of my main questions, actually, Chris. Because I did I was doing my little research on you. And yeah. So how, like, I that. Yeah, and like figuring out that's what is when? that was ninety eight. So ninety eight, you get married. Uh, in 2000 I got married, so it's a couple of years before I got married, yeah. So in 2000 you get married and you mm-hmm. said you have a 16 year old and a 12 year old, right? Correct. So that means 2012, 13 is where the first, the first baby comes? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Alright, and then you got 2000 maybe, uh, what, 7? Uh huh. The second baby born? Uh huh. Okay, so... Oh no, so
2: it was, let's see, was 06 was the uh, first, oh, uh, no, 03 was. The, oh gosh, yeah, they this. O oh, the, oh, three, oh, three was the first. Your oh daughter's not going to listen. This was the first. O six was the second. Okay.
0: So, <laughs> so dad of the year here. So, me being also father and and, uh, and whatnot, I, I struggle with this myself currently with the balance of the work life balance. Of people, sure. I don't really believe in the whole work life balance. Although I do believe in like shutting it off, like okay. being present. Yeah. Um, but like, I think for people that are entrepreneurs and go out on a business, like you, you live it and you breathe it. I mean, you uh-huh. can't really turn it off when a you know, client calls or when things happen. Yeah. Um, you got to put the fires
1: out when they, when they pop up. So how much of a factor was having kids relative to your wanting more independence?
2: Um, rephrase the question. Cause I'm not quite sure. So, right. so uh, I guess, what, did, you, so did, you did you want to have your own, own business,
0: business? Yeah. when you had the kids, or before you had the kids, you are like, I just know I want to have my own thing, so I can do whatever I want, whenever I want.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know if the kids were a factor in that. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll be totally honest with you. I just knew I wanted to start my own, selfishly just knew I wanted to start my own business. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, I, I don't know how much of a factor that really was. But, but to go back to your original question of how you balance it... Um, A little bit started for me because I was working in pharmaceuticals and biotech. There's no office you go into, so I I was used to the fact of kind of home as your home base and working from home and doing some work at home. And and I think it's important if you're an entrepreneur and you are working from home that you have to try to develop some boundaries. Um, You know, let the wife know that the door is closed. Uh, you know, that that means you're trying to get some stuff done. That's right. Now, that doesn't always work. I would tell you there were definitely times I had, you know, when my young kids would just start pounding on the door.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: See, and I'd be like on a conference call and it's like, like, God, help me. And I, I tried the office outside the house for a while, and it just, and, you know, it, it just doesn't, it didn't work for me. It didn't work for Mine me. I'm not even
0: pound. I can pick that lot now. Yeah, game. I know. <laughs> I, I believe Snip, it. Sneak sneak on it. I believe it.
2: And, and I'll tell you, summertime, too, is a lot tougher because the kids are off, and they have their friends over, and I'm trying to get some stuff done. But you just have to have contingency plans. If you got to get something done, go to a Starbucks down the street, you know. Mm-hmm. go do a podcast at a friend's house. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> <gonna write the laughs> All right.
0: So let's talk about those real estate holdings. You started with sure. that, about a $250,000, you know, uh, house in, yeah. in, in North Park, Northwood, right? Right, right, or right. right. Uh, and so then that was the very first purchase that you ever made, right? Yes. Real estate. Okay. That's right. And you, do you still have it today? No, no. I sold that
2: in oh five for 750. Wow. Yeah.
1: Let's go at it. Yeah, that's well, enough it, to get your uh, you know it, your tongue wet a little bit and want a little bit more. Seriously, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little
0: three Xer there and what five six years?
2: Um, yeah, well, let's see. Oh, yeah, ninety seven years. So wow. yeah, yeah, I was happy with that. But hey, look, every in full disclosure, I then had to rebuy in that market. That's right. And yeah. I bought in Alam Hills, and you know, put that all that equity into the house, and you know. The house is worth about the same now as when I purchased it. So you still live in that house. I still live in that house okay. too in Annandale. So, but even though it hasn't gone up, I still have that equity from, you know, mm-hmm. from Irvine. Yeah. So
0: yeah, very cool. Okay, yeah. so now let's talk about you getting really started in your investment stuff, like sure. in the out of state. Because we had this little bit of a debate on. You know, home ownership being the foundation of wealth, kind of something that we preach on our podcast. Sure. And Chris had a, a unique take on it, saying that he's, he he would have what ten years ago said a hundred percent, yeah. Mm-hmm. But now, uh, doing what you do, it's kind of. Maybe, but not really for your home. It's mainly for out of state. Better look for the best investment. I kind of is what I got from it is that you're looking for the best, you know, mathematical sort of calculation on investment, lowest downside, highest upside type calculation. Where you're saying, hey, this out of state market looks like it's booming. You know, sort of protected with the, the population and people like you know renting in the area. Give, give us your, your well. Let
2: us just make it really simple. Is that you know you. It can be very easy, especially if you're in an area like Orange County or LA or San Francisco or, or New York, where the amount of cash outlay and the amount of money that, uh, you know, t- for owning a house, I mean, let's just uh, very often could be a million bucks. And uh, that's, you know, for, for asking somebody who's young to, to do that, and now your biggest financial instrument is that in a market that very likely could go down, uh, unless you can tell me definitively. That you're gonna, you can live in that house for ten, the next ten plus years, which few people can, especially young people. They don't know how big of a family they're gonna have. That's or, right. Or, or what? Um, you could very easily be upside down on a house and, and lose a few hundred grand. Um, so if you can't tell me you're gonna be over there for over ten years, then I would recommend you know potentially renting. You know, especially if you've got you know a job nearby and you know rent where you want to live and invest your money in places where you can get value out of state. Gotcha. Or even within your state but maybe in a more favorable area that uh, has a better ratio of uh, rent to you know what you're paying um, for the house or for a mortgage. Got
1: it. Yeah. How much of it do you think is a product of what people's capital is versus uh wh- where their lifestyle is. So for example, um, you know, if you're gonna go let's say you're earning a hundred thousand a year and you're gonna go and uh, but you only have twenty five thousand in the bank so you're gonna use that as a down payment to go get a six hundred thousand dollar house, you're gonna have a high mortgage payment. Mm-hmm. Um but if they took that twenty five thousand dollars and they just made their rent payments and took it and took the twenty five grand out of state the, that's the argument, that that's a better move given the dollar amount. Is that is that, am I understanding that right? Given the dollar amount available of the to risk. the investor.
2: Well, yeah. a, a big part of it is what you just said. It's the, it's the risk. And, you know, does that place have an a, a ability to appreciate it? Even if the market fell in half, you're down 12 grand instead of yeah. 300. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. it's... It, it, it's tough, but it, if you can't give me ten years, I, I I honestly feel it's just not worth the risk. Okay.
0: Yeah. 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 So let's talk about how then you get started. How do you roll into after you get Anaheim Hills and sure. you're all settled there? You have two beautiful little girls. You got your wife. You got your family all set up, and now you're saying, "Hey, honey, I'm going to leave this biotech stuff and I'm going to do my own thing." And right. What What gets you started there? Who Who do you meet? What do you What do you do? Yeah. yeah.
2: You know. um... when i first started uh in real estate i mean obviously it was the house purchase so i uh you know in 98 so that was a a really big eye-opener that real estate can be a very uh, lucrative you know business but when i first started uh, it's just kind of funny i had a friend of mine who was a realtor and he told me to you know hey you should go to this class you know they'll uh you'll learn a lot about real estate so i went to it and it was just one of those you know where they just give you a fire hose of information and, you know, in the end, once you go to the back of the room and spend a whole grip load of cash to learn their system. That's right. Mark that one. And, coming, and, <laughs> there, there's a number of them out there. I think yeah. this one was Nouveau Riche, but uh, not to say <laughs> many names, exactly. actually, I don't think they're around anymore. But, right. Uh, uh, and, you know, although I was really turned off by that whole, uh, you know, educational, you know, spend 15, 20 grand, it, it did give me an opportunity to kind of open up my mind and I looked around the room that. I had to ask myself, what, what do I have to offer to real estate that maybe other people in this room don't? Mm-hmm. And for me, it, it was access to capital. You know, I had made a little bit of money from you know that house sale. I made some money in the stock market. You know, I had been you know saving my money, uh, and uh, I, I went to one of the people teaching the class, and I, I said, I, I like what you do. It's pretty capital intensive. Um, if you ever need you know capital for that let me know and you know she had a partner and then they both told me that hey we appreciate it we've got a money guy and and he's been good to us and you know a couple weeks went by and you know I got a call from them and they said you know this guy kind of flaked on us last minute we've got this house in Costa Mesa that we're gonna be buying it's a short sale We're buying it for uh, you know four hundred grand, and we're going to immediately resell it the next day. But we need to come up with four hundred grand for it. And you know, it was going to be—it was a little less than a week. Um, I had the capital available, and um, I did a ton of due diligence. I, you know, looked at the house. The house was worth more than what I was putting into it. You know, I I went to the uh, the title and escrow company that uh, that was going to be doing the transaction, and I did it and. Next day, I, I got a point and a half on that. I got six grand in my, in my pocket. I'm like, wow, wow. I'd love to do this again. This is
1: works. Yeah,
2: <laughs> and, and you know that built some credibility with those people, and they, they, and it, I ended up being their primary funder. And we did anywhere from five to twenty deals a month, where we just did these quick flips. And because I, you know, they were so quick, you know, especially in the beginning, there, um, I didn't need a ton of capital because my capital would be back the next day or, or two days from there. Right. So we just consistently flip this money over and over. So You have these
0: huge wires going in and out of your bank, yeah. five to twenty times a month. Yeah, yeah. All all. yeah. What, just tell us the finances behind it. Like, what do the people get for finding the deals? And kind oh. of, oh, yeah. Well, they're making six k on a four hundred. Yeah, they, they were
2: making you know, s- you know six, seven, ten times more than I was. You know, on each flip, it d- depended on the deal and how quickly the turnaround was, and, and how far back we're talking. Because in the beginning. It was just a gold mine, <laughs> yeah. but uh, yeah, and and that that brings me to another point because a lot of people say, well, I can't emulate what Chris did because you know he started with a boatload of cash and you know we just don't have that. Well, think of the people I was working with. Do they have a boatload of cash? No, mm-hmm. but they came to me and, and partnered with me, and you know I can give you lots of examples of um, other companies mm-hmm. that I've either created or that I've been involved with where I'm the money guy, and. Um, they now, you know, are, were in their twenties and became millionaires, mm-hmm. and they didn't have, you know, too much money to begin with. So there are ways to do it um, without necessarily having the capital to do it.
0: It's so my number one thing. It's not about the resources that you have; it's about how resourceful you are.
2: Absolutely,
0: absolutely. And, and, and look, in
2: 2016, <laughs> 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 oh, <sorry. laughs> <laughs> really right? <laughs> exactly nice. Nice. Tony
1: Robbins quote. Yeah. God. Yeah. <laughs>